I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Welcome to my show, America Can We Talk. Today, we're going to talk about American justice, Obama versus Trump, the Federal Bureau of Intimidators, the Department of Injustice, and the GOP commitment to America, good but not good enough. And of course, I'll tell you why these stories matter to you. Stay tuned. On America Can We Talk, I talk about election integrity, border security, healthcare freedom, race relations, energy and tax policy, education policy, free speech and assembly, freedom of religion, and all other issues that touch on the God-given right of every American to life, liberty, and the pursuit of their version of happiness. Stay tuned. And hello again, and welcome to America Can We Talk, and to today's First Five. I'm Debbie Georgiatis. There was an order made by the special master who is looking at the documents and overseeing the, the dispute regarding the documents that the FBI seized in their raid on Mar-a-Lago. And I want to just talk at this, at this First Five just about the idea, the brief contrast between the way America's justice system treats former President Obama, who is, of course, on the same political side as the current regime, the Biden regime, and is viewed with favor by all the anti-American leftists who fill our government, fill the high levels of various bureaucracies in Washington, in fact, fill the media also. So Obama's on their team, and this entire dispute regarding the unprecedented FBI raid at Mar-a-Lago to seize documents from President Trump All of these relate to documents that the FBI and perhaps the archives folks in Washington thought that President Trump had with him or maybe did have with him and thought that they should have been um, in the control of the uh, National Archives. So I'll quickly do a little contrast for you. Uh, There was a letter that was published in uh, very recently came to light. And this is a letter that was written by the Obama team in 2018. So Obama's now you know, a year plus out of office, maybe almost two years out of office. And this letter that came to light is describing how former President Obama was housing documents that belonged to his administration. And Mr. Emilio, that wonderful producer, uh, has a little clip uh, that is these documents that shows that this one little letter that got released to the public. Um, and if you, Emilio, can put that one up, that is um, was from a... Um, As I said, this is the uh, letter that came from, it was called Obama Records. I don't know if you have that, Mr. Emilio. Okay, there we go. So in case you can't read that, I'll just tell you what it says. This is just one paragraph from a letter written uh, from the Obama administration uh, to the archives folks in Washington. The Obama Foundation agrees to transfer up to $3,300,000, so $3.3 million, to the National Archives Trust Fund to support the move of classified and unclassified Obama presidential records and artifacts from Hoffman Estates to NRA-controlled facilities that conform to the agency's archival storage standards for such records and artifacts and for the modification of such spaces. The first transfer of $300,000 was already made on August 9, 2018. Actually, I can't tell if that was up on the screen when I was reading it. I hope it was. Um, But in any case, that's an excerpt from a letter 
that was actually sent as an official letter recently released from the Obama team to the archives folks. What they're basically saying is that for well over a year after President Obama was out of office, he had in his possession, you have to understand the volume of documents we're talking about, in, in his possession, in his own language, his own team sending his letter saying classified and unclassified, they're agreeing to pay for the transfer of those documents to put them in an NARA-controlled facility that meets the agency's archival storage standards. So clearly, it didn't meet the standards where they were being housed, which was, if you didn't know it, an old furniture store in Ohio. So Obama gets to take the documents, box them up, and just a record number here, 20 truckloads, 20 truckloads of crates in a space formerly housed at a, a furniture company, Plunkett Furniture, containing roughly 30 million documents generated during the eight years of Obama's time in the Oval Office. So Obama gets to send, after he's long out of office, a nice little letter, hey, you know what, I guess I'm storing these in this old furniture facility, wasn't quite the standard, you know, I'll ship them off to you um, so you can put them in the way they're supposed, have them stored in the way they're supposed to be. Contrast that stunt by the Obama team for which I'm pretty clear here we are in 2022, no prosecution of Obama, no headlines, no hysteria, no FBI raid on the Plunkett Furniture Company, on the Obama residence or anybody else, because he, after all, is one of the insiders, one of the leftist cabal in this country. So it doesn't matter how he conducts himself. It just doesn't matter. No potential criminal liability. Contrast that with what's occurring right now with President Trump. As you know, there was a raid on Mar-a-Lago, and then there was a lawsuit by President Trump, and then there was a judge appointed to oversee, and there's a special master now looking at the documents and looking at the dispute over whether there were, and there are several points of the dispute, whether uh, among those being, did the FBI search places within Mar-a-Lago that were not within the search warrants uh, standards with search warrant specifications. You can't, and a search warrant, you don't get to just go search every conceivable place. You have to say where you're searching and what you're searching for. So did Edward take things taken that weren't in the area they're supposed to be searched? And number two, you have to recognize where we are at this point is what the Trump team has to rely on is a list of documents that the FBI admits that they took. The, so the Department of Justice admits that they took. So, you know, he's got a list of documents they provided with a description, of course, of what those documents are supposed to be. And, and then you have the, um, uh, okay, so then you have the, um, in addition to that, you have some of the Trump team saying, you know, actually, uh, it's entirely possible the FBI planted documents, which I thought was a brilliant thing for the Trump people to bring out early on. When you recognize how vicious the current Department of Justice even under Trump's presidency and still today, and the FBI are, they are out to get Trump people and anyone who supports him. Yes, it was a very legitimate concern, which actually probably millions of people, including me, uh, thought during the time they listened to the raid, what is to stop the FBI from planting documents and claiming they found them? How can you ever prove that they did that? This has been the oldest thing, you know, game since time began with dishonest police planting things. How do we know they didn't plant things? Third, how do we know that everything they took was only within the scope of the subpoena? All Trump has to look at is, you know, the list they gave him. And the last thing is, what about things that were taken that were that were private, that were personal, and 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 had nothing at all to do with the subpoena, but you don't know what you have. So what's occurring is now the DOJ has possessions of the documents because they 
filed an appeal to the district court ruling. They now have permission to continue going through the documents. And the Trump team has been given a very short deadline to answer the questions I just mentioned. I mean, they even said to prove their planted evidence. How could he ever prove that? This is a list of documents that he has to rely on, that the DOJ gives him say, here they are. You know what? What in here do you think was planted? Number one, if they planted things, I don't think they're going to list it in the document list they provide to the Trump team. Number two, who in America or any place in the world actually knows every single document you have in your home? How would you know what's missing? How would you know? No one can keep a complete record of every document in their home. If you have a surprise raid by the FBI and they're sweeping up documents, vacuuming up every document they can find, you don't know yourself. You may discover a year and a half later, hey, wait a minute, what happened to that, you know, whatever it would be, you know, personal diary? What happened to that list of documents that related to my Aunt Sally's funeral? I mean, you don't know anything. You don't have an inventory, which you have in your home, so you don't know what they took. And you're asked to look at a list they provide to say, uh, is this good enough? And, and so, I mean, the impossibility of even responding, given the present condition of this grabbing of documents, the DOJ hands the, T, the Trump team a list of documents. This is what we have. What's wrong with this? There is no actual ability for the Trump team to answer the kind of questions the, D, the judges has to ask. And on top of that, at the core of all this is that people no longer in this country trust the FBI or the DOJ. They have no trust in the integrity, the actual honesty of the DOJ and FBI. And yet the Trump team has to they have to look through, try to do the best they can, have no way of knowing what will turn up later that was either planted or it was actually in the house and they didn't recognize it was missing. You know, maybe their grandmother's recipe book. I don't know. All I know is that the way this is being conducted is treating the former president as a criminal. And the reason that is happening is because many people in Washington, D.C. simply despise President Trump. They despise the idea that he continues to be the most popular president in modern history, maybe in all of American history. They despise the idea that the people who support him are not just going away, especially after what occurred in the 2020 elections. So I close out the first five by saying this. It's one thing to have a rule of law in America, which is weak, which is, you know, pretty much we let everything go. It's far worse where we are right now. If you're President Obama, you can store millions of documents. Again, something in the realm of 30 million documents in an old warehouse, unsecured. And all you have to do to transfer it is to write a letter, hey, here you go, you know, pick them up when you want. Acknowledging in the letter that the way they're being stored doesn't comply with archival standards. And President Trump, who was cooperating with the National Archives folks prior to the raid, is being treated as a criminal who must prove the impossible. Prove what they took when you don't know what they took. Prove what's missing from your house when no one on the planet Earth has a record of every document in their house, what they have. This is just a, it's not just a Republican versus Democrat problem. It is a rogue FBI, a rogue DOJ, and more broadly than that, it is the leftist mentality that has consumed Washington, D.C., the leftist, elitist, ruling class cabal that says Trump didn't belong here. We're enraged that he ever won the first election. We couldn't steal it from him in 2016, although we tried. And we're enraged he still defends himself. We're enraged we can't just shut him down. 
And so the next best choice for them, of course, is to make his life miserable and, as they are still threatening, to possibly bring criminal charges for him against him for literally walking out of the White House with documents, all of which he had the right to designate as not classified, and therefore they would have been classified anyway, as he claims many of them were designated as not classified. People, the loss of rule of law, of the, the loss of the rule of law, the decline in the the uh, standard and, and holding to standards that apply equally to all, this is a sign, a, a dangerous sign all by itself of the dangerous path America is on under the anti-American leftist cabal now controlling this country. And that, my very fine friends, is today's first five. So I want to talk about the, um, I call them the Federal Bureau of Intimidators. I was telling the story yesterday um, a little bit about the um, the raid the FBI did on a guy whose last name is Houck, Mark Houck, H-O-U-C-K. And he is a pro-life guy in Pennsylvania. And the short story, which was, if you weren't listening very shortly, uh, he basically is a married, has seven kids. Once a week, he goes down, once every two weeks, whatever it is, he goes down, drives down to a, a pro, I think it's a Planned Parenthood, but some abortion clinic, and tries to talk to people outside the abortion clinic, you know, urging them to reconsider their decision uh, about obtaining an abortion. And so he became subject to, there is a federal law that deals with the um, question of whether what you can do, what conduct you can engage in outside an abortion clinic, uh, it's called the FACE Act. You basically aren't supposed to be intimidating people outside of abortion clinics. So this guy, Mark Hawk, goes down there and there's a 71 year old, but actually it turns out he's 70, 70 year old man who volunteers there walking women in and out of, a, of this abortion clinic and um, this Mark Houck guy, Mark Houck, the uh, dad with seven kids, this one time or several times brought his 12-year-old son with him to show him this is how I advocate for pro-life. Whether you like people outside the abortion clinics or you don't. I mean, people have varying opinions. I'm not even talking about that. I'm talking about the idea that Mark Houck goes down to that clinic and brings his son to show him that this is how I live out my deep opposition, my deep belief in uh, the the notion that uh, that you know we, you try to preserve life, protect life. So this guy who's been designated as BL, B as in boy, L, BL, no name in the federal complaint, uh, was escorting women back and forth. And this BL, 70-year-old guy, kept getting in the face and speaking in a crass and intimidating and bullying manner toward Mark Houck's son. Mark Houck finally told him to knock it off, finally pushed him. The guy fell over, allegedly. And or, or who knows, be flopped. But in any case, he, this BL guy, tried to bring a lawsuit against Mark Houck. And Mark Houck, you know, shows up in court to defend himself against this, this civil complaint by BL about, uh, you know, assault. And BL doesn't show up in the court. Well, I'm just going to tell you that was in Philadelphia Municipal Court in October of 2021. This is when this BL guy, so this is, this is now a year ago. A year ago, this incident occurred. And this Mark Hout guy shows up at court because he's being sued by BL, the uh, the guy who escorts women at the at the uh, clinic, and BL doesn't even show up. So the judge dismisses a complaint. I want to tell you briefly a little bit more that's come out about that. Understanding who BL is, BL not identified in the federal pleadings, but known to some. Um, he's a guy with a criminal record. You know, not not like one time got a speeding ticket. I'm talking about an actual criminal record. Um, he is a guy who in the 70s was arrested on multiple charges related to possession and manufacturing controlled substances. Um, three charges pled down to a single charge. 
sentence of three years probation, also charged with disorderly conduct persisted, meaning somebody who just cannot stop being disorderly, hassling people endlessly. Um, in fact, on his file, BL's file, are the, is the term warrant outstanding. So the guy is like, you know, he's a career lowlife. He's a career criminal. And he's the one um, who, uh, by the way, also, he got involved, this BL guy got involved in this um, mass tort against Janssen Pharmaceuticals relating to a drug he was taking, which, which is for people with schizophrenia and bipolar disorder. So he's a bipolar schizophrenia disorder guy who's committed many crimes, and he filed a complaint in municipal court, gets thrown out because he doesn't show up, and yet over a year later, the FBI suddenly discovers, oh my gosh, we can have, we found here a violation of the Access to Clinics Act, you know, the FACE Act. And so they literally, they contact Mark Hauck, they tell him that we're investigating you. He, through his attorney, contacts back the FBI. Okay, tell me what, how, you know, what do you need to know? What, what are you looking for? Cooperative. Next thing he hears, they never answer his lawyer's communication. Next thing he hears, they are at his house with, according to numerous sources, including him, dozen, a two dozen, two dozen FBI agents, rifles blazing, to bang on his door and scare the and surround his house, scare the daylights out of him, to arrest him for pushing down BL, the druggy criminal guy who, um, you know, I, I mean, you, so I'm getting at the point that whether you do or don't like the law that says you can't talk to people outside of uh, pregnancy resource, uh, out of, of um, abortion clinics, which, you know, people can have opinions about that. This is a year old episode that has pretty much no connection to anything. ...stunt over arresting him. So this is that little more background on that. Um, U.S. Attorney's Office not cooperating with Hauk's attorney, who's trying to say, what is it you want when he understands they're investigating him? So, but that's just one piece of the FBI story. The FBI, as you likely recall, has been involved in the... I, I mean, now acknowledging, complicit in the January 6th episode of last year, January 6th at the Capitol. They have been, they were involved, they had planted people inside one of those groups, Operation, I, I don't know which one it was, but planted their own people inside their um, efforts, uh, who then later were prosecuted for their involvement January 6th, engaging in the kind of thing where my friend Simone Gold, uh, who was arrested for, at her home with the FBI, breaking the door down, middle of the night, you know, rifles blazing. You know, you'd think she was like a drug smuggler or international terrorist. She's a doctor and lawyer who's, who is at the Capitol on January 6th, literally walked in the Capitol because the doors are being held open by Capitol Police, read a little speech she'd been asked to give that day, turned around and walked out. She spends 45 days in jail. She is. She has her house attacked by the FBI. She has, I mean, the, the testimony, just the entire thing of her pleading was so outrageous. And the FBI has engaged in this conduct against people involved in the January 6th episode, many of whom never entered the Capitol or entered, did nothing violent, didn't break anything, didn't hit anybody, turned around, walked out. And those people get the FBI door knock, slam down uh, conduct. And I'm getting at the point that the FBI in this country is scaring the daylights out of the average American citizen. And this is the reason they're doing it. When you begin to think as an American citizen that you just might have the FBI at your door in the middle of the night and for reasons that you're not even sure about 
and, and you don't understand what's going to happen um, to your to yourself, to your family, to your to your life, to your well-being, you know, you're, you're going to get kind of worried. You're going to be intimidated. And what you're going to decide, which is what the anti-American Biden administration, the, the cabal that that did not win in, in the elections of 2020, that now is the occupying America. We are we are an occupied country. The Biden administration didn't win in the elections of 2020. They know it. We know it. Trump knows it. Everybody knows it, except people who want to have their head in the sand. They know they didn't win, and they are working as fast as they can to consolidate every aspect of power they can think of, including the notion of using the FBI and the DOJ, the organizations that are supposed to have the highest standards of the rule of law and equal, equal application of the law and you know freedom and justice for all, those organizations are being used by this cabal to threaten and intimidate political opponents, to threaten and intimidate Trump at Mar-a-Lago, to threaten and intimidate people on January 6th. Uh, there were other recent incidences involving the FBI uh, and their conduct, and one big one I'll mention. Uh, so in Los Angeles, uh, they actually did get an, a search warrant, but they they drilled and pried their way in, into a, for, with using it with a search warrant, the FBI did this into 1,400 safe deposit boxes located at an organization called U.S. Private Vaults. It's a store in Beverly Hills. So the FBI gets a search warrant to drill and and you know hammer their way in to get inside 1,400 safe deposit boxes at the at U.S. call a company called U.S. Private Vaults in Beverly Hills. At which time they rummage through personal belongings of many people, including a jazz saxophone player, an interior designer, a retired doctor, a flooring contractor, two Century City lawyers, hundreds of others. This is the FBI with a warrant getting inside all these people's safe deposit boxes. Really, really important to understand. For most of the people whose safe deposit boxes were invaded, there was no warrant, and they had been accused of nothing. But this is the FBI sending a signal we're in charge. They, they, are, they are like this close to being Gestapo in our country. And people look around waiting for someone to say in Washington, hey, we have an out of control FBI. We have to do something about this. These are, these are really dangerous times. So let me just tell you some of the things they took. Photos and videos of pay stubs, password lists, credit cards, a prenuptial agreement, immigration and vaccination records, bank statements. 18 months later, Newly unsealed court documents show that the FBI and the U.S. Attorney's Office in Los Angeles got this warrant for the raid by misleading the judge who approved it. I mean, it's part of what you do when you sign, when you are going to get a warrant, a search warrant from the FBI, I mean, from a, a U.S. Uh, judge, you sign under penalty of perjury. You know, at, at least as far as I know, everything we're saying is absolutely true. That's what you have to do to get a search warrant. They get this search warrant, and now it turns out they had the omitted from their warrant, their request, which was a central part of the FBI's plan, the permanent confiscation of everything inside every box containing at least $5,000 in cash or goods, a senior FBI agent recently testified. And so in total, they had managed to take an $86 million haul from that raid with no evidence that most of the people who rented the boxes had committed any crime at all. People, the FBI is out of, is out of control. It's out of control. And at, at the, the word, I don't even know what to say is the worst, but the notion they are working to frighten, intimidate, and silence 
anyone who does not agree with the Biden administration on pretty much anything, and most certainly anyone who is an outspoken supporter of President Trump. They recently seized, FBI seized the phone of Mike Lindell and our family friend, Dr. Douglas Frank, who is a brilliant, he's been on the show many times, he's a brilliant mathematician, seized their phones. Both of those seizures occurred because the FBI, they've acknowledged because they're looking into the Tina Peters case and they wanna know who else helped Tina Peters come up with the overwhelming proof of election fraud that is that goes on because of the Dominion voting machines. This is a, it's a very alarming time and I, I'm talking about the story today. First to say, when you worry, these people say, well, America's going downhill, America's alarming, there's things happening, shouldn't be happening. These are the kind of things you can be saying, well, it wasn't my family, uh, didn't get to me, didn't get to anybody I know, but you start to create in this society a, an intended, they are creating an intended fear of government, fear of authority, fear of people in authority, fear of ever challenging, questioning, or countering the people in authority. That is what they are doing, and it is on purpose. They want to make you afraid to challenge the regime in Washington, the very left-wing pro-globalist regime that is now ruling this country, that is now destroying the country with its policies. They want to make you feel, well, you can just be safe. You stay in your little, little hole at home and you go to your very safe job and you never speak up. And, you, and I mean, their complicity with, with using social media to capture voice messages, text messages, emails by people, anything touching on all the issues that are uh, causing alarm in this country, this is, this is an FBI and administration completely out of control. And if you don't stand up now, and if you don't recognize right now that you need to push your elected officials to stand up now, they will only get worse. The left will only stop if we make them. They will not stop. You can make brilliant analogies to the unfairness of what they're doing, the political, the obvious political motivation of what they're doing. They will never stop unless we force them, which gets us around the last segment of the show today I'm going to talk about. Uh, what the Republicans have put out as their plan. It's kind of mediocre, but at least it's, okay, it addresses some issues that matter, but it doesn't get to the heart and the danger of what the left is doing to this country. So I, mean, I have another segment similar. Uh, I call it the Department of Injustice. And I will just tell you very briefly, uh, quickly for our radio listeners, uh, thank you, Brian Radio, for caring. America Can We Talk. Everyone on radio or otherwise hearing this show only audibly, you can go to our website, americacanwetalk.org, americacanwetalk.org. At that website, you can read all of our blog posts, uh, all of our Why It Matters featured very popular at the end of the show. You can listen to past interviews. You can see the interviews because it's, you'll have video there too. So again, go to our website, americacanwetalk.org. Check out all the shows. And you, if you're on radio, you're going to go to a break at the bottom of the hour for three minutes, come back after that, and, and go back later to our website, americacanwetalk.org, for everything that you might have missed. While you're there, sign up for our weekly newsletter, and also consider making a donation to America Can We Talk, because this, this is a listener-supported show. You can join America Can We Talk for a mere $50 a year. It's a great bargain. Love to have you join. And finally, I'll tell you more after the break about our summit. But our, our annual summit, our third annual Women for Freedom Summit is coming up in Dallas on Saturday, October 15th. It is going to be a barn burner, wonderful summit. I mean, filled with thought leaders in this country, 
people who can speak about the most important issues facing America. You will love coming here. We'll love to have you. Go to the website, americachemitalk.org and sign up for your summit tickets October 15th. I'll go through our speakers a little later in the show today, but for right now, I'll just tell you, we'd love to have you. You can buy your ticket at americachemitalk.org. Okay, well, I'm gonna hit this next segment. Is it a similar thing, similar to, I did uh, talk about the FBI, uh, the Federal Bureau of Intimidation, which is what they become. Uh, and a similar thing is, uh, I call this the Department of Injustice. I'm going to, you know, the injustice, which I mentioned so frequently, and, and everyone does it, so I'm not going to give you examples again today, but the Department of Justice is going out of their way to have federal prosecutors prosecute people who came to Washington on January 6th, even those who didn't enter the Capitol, and prosecuting them, seeking the longest sentences possible, piling on the most charges as possible. I mentioned my friend, Dr. Simone Gold, just an outrage. She was even had the FBI break down her door and search her home, even more of an outrage, they actually sentenced her, a federal judge, who had all sorts of reasons he should not have been her federal judge, sentenced her to 60 days uh, in prison. They sent her, by the way, to a maximum security prison. This is a doctor and lawyer who's never broken a law in her life. So she's out now, she's gonna speak at our summit. Oh, you're gonna love it. She's gonna speak at our summit. She's feisty, she's reasonable enough alone to come to our Women for Freedom Summit in Dallas on Saturday, October 15th. But this segment I want to talk about, I just called this segment of the Department of Injustice. So you have DOJ going after everyone conceivable who even touched on January 6th, including people who weren't even there January 6th being prosecuted. And then you have the contrast, of course, with what they allowed the leftist outrage of the both BLM and Antifa riots that consumed the country for a year, burned down cities, burned down buildings. I mean, many of these segments, sections of the cities aren't still aren't rebuilt. They're still, they still look like a war zone. Or as my cousin in Minnesota took pictures and he texted me, looks like uh, Beirut back in the day. I mean, that is how bad the, the riots were. And the FBI just couldn't figure out one reason in the world to go after any of those people. Same thing with Hunter Biden's laptop, same things with the Jeffrey Epstein victims and the adult perpetrators who are just never apparently going to be charged. But the two things I want to talk about today, they're particular, they take a little bit of focus, but I want to make this point to you because it really matters. After we had the Trump-Russia collusion absurdity, the non-existent collusion, we had to be treated to the FBI parading around the country, deposing people and, and accusing people and investigating nothing because there was no Trump-Russia collusion, which Bob Mueller finally had to admit on national television. Well, yeah, we spent millions of dollars and hundreds of thousands of hours. Zip, zero, not a nothing, no evidence of Trump-Russia collusion. And hey, here you go. Sorry, we were wrong. So he does this, which is bad, really bad. So you have the FBI, then later, and the DOJ have been going right along with it, but the DOJ under Bill Barr said, well, you know, maybe uh, what we should do is try and figure out how do we get so off track? How in the world, why in the world did this Trump-Russia collusion thing not get nipped in the bud early on by the higher-ups and the FBI and DOJ, or even by the average Joe FBI guy? Why weren't, why didn't it happen that people spoke up and said, you know, there's nothing here. This is a bunch of garbage. Early on, of course, let me remind you again, if you did not know, that the CIA head, John Brennan, actually wrote his own handwriting and notes, recognizing early on the entire Trump-Russia collusion was a campaign smear job cooked up by Hillary Clinton 
and her Democrat Party and the people they hired. They knew it from early on and they kept it up. So where we are now, so Barr says, you know, yeah, we're going to get a special counsel, John Durham, and he's going to dig in and find out how all this got started. And I'm only going to just skim the surface of this, but I put a link to this story, this great article on our website. So at AmericaCanWeTalk.org, AmericaCanWeTalk.org, you can read this article, Brilliant Analysis by Margaret Cleveland. She's a great, great writer. She writes at The Federalist. And her article was called Special Counsel Durham's Protect the Establishment Approach is Destroying the Country. What she's saying in simple terms, although I urge you to read this article again, it's at The Federalist by Margaret Cleveland, and it's called Special Counsel Durham's Protect the Establishment Approach is Destroying the Country, is everyone got excited thinking, oh, this is great. Bill Barr actually appointed a special prosecutor, a special counsel, to look into how did this whole Trump-Russia collusion thing get, get cooked up? So Durham's job is to figure this out. And what you're discovering, what she's pointing out is, Durham's entire investigation is yet another cover-up of what the DOJ and the FBI did to Trump in the four years Trump was president. It was, it was just, what she's pointing out is, the charges Durham is bringing are all premised on the malarkey, the hogwash, that no one in the FBI had any idea they were being duped. Turns out, you know, they had an informant uh, whom they were paying. They had an informant who told them all these things happened. And so, you know, it was terrible because they got misled by this informant. And so that's why they continued going after Trump. And Margaret Cleveland's point is, no, actually, this is when Durham is, when the premise of his charge is, to go after this, I always forget the guy's name, um, but to go after this guy, this crosshair hurricane guy, hurricane guy, the premise of the prosecution is that this guy misled the FBI. They had no idea that they were doing anything that wasn't appropriate. No idea that the entire thing was cooked up. And she's saying, I, I mean, seriously, Durham is not trying to get to the root, to get to the question, to root out the rot inside the FBI and DOJ by exposing who enabled and perpetuated and continued this absurdity of, of an investigation. He's trying to, the public record, the statement of the jury, his whole investigation is all about trying to claim that the guy he's now prosecuting um, was, you know, he just misled them and the poor FBI, they're just a bunch of cupcakes and they couldn't figure out what to do. Um, and so they, they listened to this guy and they shouldn't have. Yeah, Igor Denchenko. Sorry, I couldn't get Igor Denchenko. But her point is really important. We're trying in America to actually clean out the FBI and DOJ. Or we thought that's what John, what this guy was going to do, Durham was going to do. We thought that was what Bill Barr was going to do. And we were wrong. Nothing's being cleaned out. Nothing is being cleaned out in the FBI and DOJ. The other quick thing I'll tell you um, about the, this is my little segment regarding the Department of Injustice. There's never going to be a cleaning out of the DOJ until they're physically dismantled. Not just a few top characters maybe finally fired, actually dismantled, dissolved. They are, they are beyond cleaning out. And so that was one little point. The other one, just to make the comparison or the thought about how outrageous things are. 
is that there is a story today, and, and this other story has been like this, I've reported them before. There's a story invo involving a prisoner, and I think I forgot to send this picture to you. Okay, I did. Anyway, there's a prisoner named Ryan Sampsel, Ryan Sampsel, who was in Washington on January 6th, and he was arrested uh, in March of that year, so March of 2021, he's arrested, um, and he's been in, in jail since, in prison in Washington, D.C., in the jail they reserve for the January 6th defendants. I have a lawyer friend who is helping to represent some of these people, and she's telling me, you can hardly believe the conditions, you can hardly believe the abuse, and nothing ever seems to get the attention of the DOJ, the FBI, or anybody else about how these people are being treated, treated in a United States jail facility. So this guy, Ryan Samsel, um, he was, uh, things that occurred to, uh, happened to him, he's in, sitting in jail. Um, he was awakened, uh, no, I'm sorry, he was awakened on March 21st of 2021, awakened by correctional officers, hands zip tied, walked him to an unoccupied cell where he was brutally beaten. His, his hands are zip tied, brutally beaten by the correctional officers, by the people who work at this jail, beating him to the point he lost an eye. This is a young man, and actually it's a really sweet face, young man, lost an eye in the beating, face smashed. The next day, the guards beat him again. Another day, they tied him to a chair and beat him again. And the stories go on and on, the damage, and he finally got to a hospital um, where he was told, you know, he, he lost his eye, he had uh, kidney damage, he had broken bones. And people, please, please think about this. This is not happening in some third world country. This is not happening in North Korea. It's not in China. It's not in some, you know, horrible prison in Islamic jihadist country. This is in America. And these stories, I'm telling you, I'm touching on one. There are dozens of them. And I want you to think about the mindset of the FBI and the DOJ. When their highest idea, their biggest goal is to think about going after some guy who maybe unjustifiably and perhaps justifiably pushed away someone who was abusing this guy's 12-year-old son. That's who they raid with rifles blazing. This is, I mean, this story, if this were occurring uh, in a Republican district with some Republicans in charge and you had stories of beating, and, and the stories are so grotesque, I can't even want to repeat them in the show, and you have the DOJ and the FBI, I mean, I understand the FBI is not running this jail, the DOJ is not running this jail, but this is conduct happening at the behest and under the control of the Biden administration, of the anti-American left, of the left that is ruling this country, this is a conduct happening, and this does not seem to interest the DOJ or the FBI at all. And this, this young man, still in jail, I mean, I guess finally going to end up with charges against him, I mean, facing his charges. He has blood cancers, uh, blood, he has blood clots, precancerous growths. Um, the, the, um, the, the audio, he actually was able to call and give this story, which I'm recounting to you. Uh, to reporters who put it out there. Again, if you want to read this story, go to our website, americachemitalk.org, americachemitalk.org. But like the FBI, which is a part of the DOJ, it's, a, you know, a, it's under the DOJ, and the DOJ itself, 
These are institutions in America upon which our very fabric of the rule of law, a very fabric of civil society, and a, a, the, any, any measure of being a modern nation depends on having a rule of law. And we have dissolved, these agencies have dissolved into agencies that work and strive to be sure to go after the political enemies, their political enemies, which in their world, in their world, is simply anyone connected to the Trump administration, anyone who supported the riots of, of and it wasn't, it was a riot in portions. It was mostly a protest in January 6th that the small number of people got a little out of control. That's what January 6th was. But this, this administration and all of what's occurring in Washington is happening because everybody at the highest levels in the Biden team is okay with it. No one's speaking out saying we don't do this in America. This sounds like something happened in an Iranian prison or, you know, in North Korea, in one of their prison camps. But it's America, and you can't hear a peep out of the DOJ and the FBI about any of it. And people, we're, it's, they're very dangerous times, very, very dangerous times. Before I turn to my last story, I'm going to hit a story in just a minute, the GOP commitment to America. So um, there was a, an announcement last week uh, by... Um, the minority leader McCarthy, that he's going to have that this, his new plan for the GOP commitment to America. And I am going to get to that in a moment. But I want to take just one minute again uh, to talk about our summit and make sure you know how extremely exciting this summit is because I can't waste time in the show talking about it after it's over. It's got to be now. So it is, I, I've got to be telling you. So go to our website, americacanwetalk.org. We have plenty of tickets left. Although ticket sales are really picking up, it's great. We have many, many great speakers coming. I don't know if it happens, Amelia has my flyer ready. I hope he does, but yeah, there we go. There's all my beautiful speakers. Uh, I've done this many times on the show, but take a screen grab. Uh, is that back, is this still up there? I can't go on my screen. In any case, I wanna make sure you know that this summit has extraordinary speakers. The uh, summit is on Saturday, October 15th. You can get tickets at americacanwetalk.org. They are, I have Dr. Simone Gold. I, I mean, every speaker is one of these people you would pay the ticket price to hear one of them. You would pay that ticket price for one of them. And there are, I believe we've now tallied 14 speakers and they're all unbelievable. Laura Logan is coming. I mean, just, just amazing speakers. And we'll be talking about saving this precious country. I'd love if you would come. So go to our website and do that. Um, okay, so um, I also want to do a very quick pitch and tell you, uh, our listeners, tomorrow, um, actually I'll quick do it now, if you go to the other place, ways you can help this show besides buying a ticket to the summit, uh, becoming a member at our website, americancanwetalk.org, or making a donation to support this show because this show is supported by you, the people who love this show. So I'd love a donation if you'd like to do that to support this show. You could also, you could also two other fun ways to support this show. One is to go to MyPillow and the whole MyPillow.com MyPillow.com is a, you know, it's Mike Lindell's products. And Mike Lindell, is the flyer still up? It's really funny. It keeps going away. Put the flyer up if it's not. Um, the, uh, Mike uh, Lindell has MyPillow.com. And at MyPillow, you can get all sorts of great products, really great products that are, um, that we, my husband and I buy. I wouldn't push them unless we used them ourselves. But MyPillow.com has pillows and bathrobes and sheets and towels and, and, and we just actually bought the mattress cover, which is extraordinarily great. We got a great mattress cover. So go to MyPillow.com, shop your heart out, 
And at the end, as you're checking out at the promo code, put in Debbie G, D-E-B-B-I-E-G, Debbie G. That gets you an up to 66% discount. And it gets me a small percentage of that. And we all are happy getting great quality products shipped to your home. And you at great prices. I get a little bit of support too from MyPillow.com. It's a, just a win-win proposition. So please do go to MyPillow.com. Uh, start ordering your early Christmas gifts. Who knows? Okay, maybe you don't do Christmas yet, but I'd love to have your support when you're doing it. Okay, in the last segment, this might be, I mean, I, the show, I always, I think that everything we talk about is important and vital. I do want to turn to our last segment today, and I called it GOP Commitment to America, Good But Not Good Enough. So we had the Minority Leader McCarthy, uh, Kevin McCarthy, announced the, uh, the uh, Commitment to America. And what the GOP is doing, they're trying to sell the message to America that, you know, we have a, uh, a, a um, great idea, we're going to tell you everything wrong with the Biden administration, and we're going to tell you better things we're going to do. And I think what they put out is like, you know, C plus-ish. It's good. The points they make go to, and they do matter to a significant segment of voters in America. But before I talk about that, I want to quick play a clip. I sent to Amelia earlier today a clip. And this is a clip. People do these man on the interview, uh, man on the streets interviews. I just want to quickly play this and have you hear some of the answers people gave. How many seasons there are? Twelve. I don't know. Twelve? Yes. What language do the people in Idaho speak? Potato. Wait, what? What language? I don't know. The first thing that came to mind was potatoes. How many states make up the United States? Guess a number if you don't know. Five. Yes. What continent are we on right now? What continent? Uh... I think like North Africa. What's three times three times three? 18. Okay. We could have gone much longer with that. It was much longer than that. And and just if you couldn't hear the questions, I'll, I just, I have a reason I'm showing you this. So they asked this, that young girl in the grocery store, um, you know, what's the language people speak in Idaho, like the state of Idaho in America? And she said potato. They asked how many seasons there are. She said 12, I think. And then she said, I don't know. Uh, they asked, they had another one. I think I didn't get to that one. They asked this young woman, uh, can you name, besides United States of America, can you name three other countries? And these are adults. These aren't five-year-olds. Adults, can you name three other countries? She said Connecticut, Alabama, and New Mexico. That was the answer. That was the answer to, can you name three other states? Uh, number of states, that one young guy says five. What continent are we on? I think it was the last one. What continent are we on? He said North Africa. And I'm, I played this to make this point. I understand that when you are running a political campaign and you want to get votes, you've got to try to tailor what you say to bring the most people in. And I do understand that when people like those people in that clip, and there were many more I could have played, when they hear... Democrats are going to give you free stuff. In fact, Biden has a new amazing free stuff he announced. They had a they had a end U.S. hunger you know alleged uh, uh, you know conference at the White House, emerging with of course that more food stamps, more handouts, uh, more training on how not to become obese, um, more monthly benefits for Americans to buy food, 
uh, more benefits if you promote exercise. I mean, it goes on and on and on and on. The Biden administration, as every left-wing organization and, and administration in America does, they promise free stuff. He just got finished with his, you know, no, forget about your college debt, we'll pay it for you. So he abandons uh, people who don't have to pay back their student loans. He's now promising more handouts, more free things. And so, and you know, they have endless, and by the way, we're going to defund the police, and we don't really care to commit crime, and whatever you do crime-wise, we're going to make sure you get out. I mean, the left does a lot of things to cater to the lowest common denominator elements in America. They cater to, we give you free stuff, you're never responsible for your behavior, you're not responsible for your debts, and do we mention more free stuff? It is all the left ever runs on, you know, couched in terms of, oh, there's a terrible problem and thank god you know and it's all caused by the rich republicans or something so anyway this is what the republicans have to deal with the kind of biden stuff they came up with but still you had the um the uh announcement made by kevin mccarthy the commitment to america and i sent uh, you mr Emilio, i sent you a little uh, skinny um thing i want to have you put up there this is it says commitment to america on the left this is I, what I thought I would do today when I was first planning the show. Um, leave that up there, please. Um, when, I was, when I was planning the show was, I thought, well, I'll go read the Commitment to America this morning, and I, we can talk about some of the things you're going to do. So the overall themes you can see, an economy that's strong, a nation that's safe, a future that's built on freedom, a government that's accountable. So maybe it's pretty good. Okay, I mean, maybe it's pretty good. That's Those are the things they're going to talk about. So I will say they have little clips, they have a little press conference, you can come back to me, they have a press conference in which they were talking about the idea um, that, you know, this is the, the big commitment to America. So McCarthy makes this announcement, it's supposed to be out last Friday, and it was out for a nanosecond. You can't get it. It's not out anymore. You go to the website and it says, oops, you know, wrong page. You can't get it. So it's not really out there. It's not totally ironed out. But it's got some parameters, and you know they're, they're good things: strong economy, a safe nation, a future based on freedom, uh, and a government that's accountable. These are all good things. But then, you know, what they are touting about it all—they have various speakers coming up uh, to the podium and say, "Oh, this is what we believe, and here's what we're standing for." Uh, and so, you know, this is all a. This is the uh, left. This is the response by the Republicans to the mess of America. I know I sent you a bunch of them, Emilio, but just want you to play the one uh, that was um, uh, by Elise Stefanik. Uh, Representative Stefanik uh, made some of the remarks that I want to have you uh, play for our listeners. Good morning. Democrat one-party rule in Washington has created crisis after crisis in, for the American people. And Republicans have a commitment to America to help save our country on behalf of the hardworking families. The proof is in the latest polling. I want to show you all the latest NBC poll that shows that voters trust Republicans more than Democrats to address America's crime crisis, economic crisis, and our historic border crisis by double digits. Border security, Republicans lead with 36 points. Crime, GOP plus 23. Immigration, GOP plus 19. Economy, GOP plus 19. Cost of living, GOP plus 14. Protecting rights, GOP plus 9. Uniting the country, GOP plus 6. The proof is in the polling, folks. You have heard us for over a year continue to talk about the issues that matter to the American people. House Republicans have been disciplined and unified in exposing Joe Biden Biden and House Democrats failed leadership. And it is clear right here that the American people are listening. 
Okay, what I want to say about that is several other people got up. Uh, Scalise made some good remarks, Representative Gonzalez did. But I want to say this because I just think it's really, really important to think about what the GOP should be messaging about. Yes, they have to do basic election things or, or, or basic economy things. They have to talk about, you know, how Americans trust them more on the economy and border security. And, I mean, Heaven help us if America couldn't figure out that the Biden administration won't enforce the border. But anyway, so they have these issues and they, they are really important. They're bread and butter issues. They're, you know, how are people going to pay for things if inflation is so bad? How are we going to pay for, you know, uh, gasoline for their cars uh, if gas costs so much? I mean, they're, they're really, they're bread and butter issues. And I'm saying they are good. They're not bad. But I want to say for the Republicans who are looking at the chaos being inflicted on America intentionally by the Biden administration, I think they have to go deeper. It's not good enough. I think that this that um, is GOP trying to convince America, you know, to, to stand up and, and vote for them. They have to be talking about, you know, not just Biden bad, but here's the border problem and we will finish the wall, we will secure the border, we will remove illegal aliens, we will enable the southern border states to remove illegal, illegal aliens for us, we will, we will foster that effort by the border governors. You really have to have a, uh, not just a how bad is Biden and his team, but how good are we? This is what needs to happen. How good are we is what really, really needs to happen. So there's that. Um, and I, but even deeper than that, when you know the people who are paying attention, I mean, the people we just played in the little video who, you know, don't know what language they speak in Idaho, they think maybe it's potato. I understand that you've got to speak bread and butter to them. You have to speak bread and butter issues to them because that's your job. I mean, you, you've, got to, you've got to convince them that the conservatives have better answers. But there are conservatives in this country and they're not, you know, at a tiny percentage. There's a growing number of, of really well-informed, serious, thoughtful conservatives that do not trust that the Republicans are going to actually stand up and fight. And they don't trust them because they watch how Republicans didn't stand up and fight under Obama. They rarely ever stood up against Obama. They barely could stop him. And they're watching things happening in this country like the DOJ's treatment of President Trump. They're watching the, DOJ, the, the FBI's, you know, breaking down doors, surrounding, they're watching a truly rogue FBI, rogue DOJ, out of control, no longer even marginally interested in the rule of law. Those kind of things, we need to have leaders in Washington saying that the Republicans, in addition to whatever else they're saying, they need to be saying, number one, we are going to go after and we are going to stop this outlandish, outrageous DOJ and FBI and what they're doing to America. We, they need to be saying that. We also need to have them talking about, and I'm going to tell you folks, uh, we, not just to commit to this agenda, but to commit that the, the Republican leadership needs to acknowledge that what we're watching under the Biden administration is not just a policy difference between Democrats and Republicans. We need to have open statements by all leaders in the Republican Party that we absolutely positively reject the left's effort toward globalism, 
toward the New World Order, toward the World Economic Forum, because the patriots in this country, the patriots who you want to see standing up and fighting for this country, they are waiting. They're waiting to hear whether or not you can have a Republican uh, agenda, a Republican platform that actually completely and totally rejects what the left is doing, that instead says, no, we want America, the America of the founding. We reject the globalists, we reject the World Economic Forum, we reject the New World Order. We are America, and we, we need people who talk like that in the Republican Party, because Trump isn't on the agenda right now. And Trump, whether he does or doesn't run in 2024, he was the best spokesman for that. He was the best spokesman for saying, we need to have this country America be America, and you don't hear enough out of that about that kind of idea from anyone in the Republican side. The policy things are important; they're not unimportant. It's not enough. You need to reassert belief in America, and therefore you're calling out, and you're just okay saying it. The left is off the American playing field. They're they're playing around in the socialist, Marxist, communist world, and we, the Republicans, reject that. That's what you need to do. You need to call out and say, we stand for America and we reject this entire socialist globalist movement that the entire American left has bought into. And the final thing I think would really, really help for the, for the Republicans to say, they need to start calling out the radical climate agenda and giving more and more voice, more and more voice, more and more opportunity for the literally hundreds if not thousands of actual climate experts who are pointing out there's no climate emergency we do not have to give up our cars we don't have to give up gasoline we don't have to give up fossil fuels we don't have to fight co2 literally the republicans just puncture that balloon that the left uses that entire balloon of climate alarmism it just you know it just has everyone in a panic and say we're actually going to go on real science the Republicans need to start puncturing the balloon of climate change alarmism, because if they don't, everything the left is proposing is irresistible to the American people. It's irresistible. Of course, you have to give it up, give it, because that is what the left will um, continue to do until the Republicans have the courage, not just to negotiate a 10-year extension before we get rid of fossil fuel cars, but to say, we're not getting rid of fossil fuel cars. And we're not going to go along with much of the radical left climate agenda, call it political, it's not science, it's a political agenda. I think the Republicans, they need to be the leaders speaking up on those issues, helping the American people see how far America has been led down the path of ruin by, cl by climate alarmism that is entirely based on falsity. I went a little long, I think so. As I do every day, I close the show by telling you why the stories we talked about today matter to you. So we start our, our show today, our story today, talking about American Justice Obama versus Trump. DOJ FBI approach to presidential records vastly different for Obama than Trump. 2018 letter shows nonchalant acceptance of Obama's classified and unclassified documents stored in a furniture warehouse, but approach to Trump documents justifies an FBI raid fussed over classified designation as if the president is overruled by agencies in determining classification, arguments over planted versus taken documents, a mess under a special master. America's deep state ruling class never accepted Trump. Uh, deep state seeks to treat him differently than every other president because they think he should not have been president. America's reaching the breaking point with double standard justice. 
transparently unfair and dishonest and infuriating. Civil order cannot be maintained under a double standard justice. Now, the FBI, the Federal Bureau of Intimidators, contrast between FBI's treatment of political opponents versus political allies is stunning. Mark Houck, pro-life political opponent of FBI, against 15-plus agents, SWAT team arrest. Dr. Simone Gold, pro-healthcare freedom opponent of FBI, gets similar SWAT team with Jeffrey Epstein, political ally of the FBI, client list kept under wraps, no arrests or investigations, Hunter Biden, political ally of the FBI and the Biden administration, overwhelming evidence of solid America, crickets. There is no scenario under which the present FBI can regain trust among the American people. It must be entirely disbanded and its functions reorganized after November. And the Department of Injustice the Federalist exposes Durham as a cover-up operation designed to protect institutions. Durham's prosecutions are built on the theory that a bad guy duped the FBI into believing the Russia collusion hoax. The theory is transparently phony and everyone paying attention knows it. The FBI, DOJ, and CIA were fully aware that Russia collusion was a Hillary Clinton manufactured story to damage President Trump. They were complicit in creating and spreading the story because they hated Trump just like the rest of the swamp did. DOJ treatment of January 6th prisoners is beyond outrageous. Evidence of prison guards administering beatings that lead to hospitalization of a prisoner. J6 itself appears increasingly to have been orchestrated by the government. Americans Department, America's Department of Justice is out of control. And finally, GOP commitment to America, good but not good enough. Already taken down after initial release, GOP commitment to America is timid. Border security, tough on crime, fix the economy. These are obvious and they're easy issues to stand on, but the GOP looks obtuse, foolish, and cowardly when it won't address elephants in the room. Big tech censorship, threats to free speech and freedom of religion, climate change alarmism, destroying the fossil fuel industry, drawdown of strategic petroleum reserves, and he's also outrageous. Southern border, as a government facilitated invasion, Wide-scale food processing, plant fires, explosions, vaccine safety, pandemic overreach, transhumanism's assault on America's biblical foundation. Current GOP leaders do not appear equal to the challenges facing America's survival. Are new leaders going to emerge? And that, my very fine friends, is America Can We Talk for today. Thank you so very much for tuning in to America Can We Talk every Monday through Thursday at 3 p.m. Central Time, where I always talk truth about America, because America matters. And I'll talk to you next time. America, can we talk truth about America?